The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Welcome, everyone. This is the Real Health Podcast, and I'm your monitor. And today I'm Dr. Ron Huntinghockey here at the Reardon Clinic. And it's my privilege to have Dr. Kirsten West with me today. She's a board certified naturopathic oncologist, and she is with the Reardon Clinic now. And we're so happy to have you aboard, Kirsten. I'm so happy to be part of the Reardon Clinic. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, our co learners listening in. We have uh, people who are wondering what goes on at the Reardon Clinic. We're interested in helping people work their way to better health. And I say work because it's you don't just fall off the log. You have to work at it. And so uh, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month now. And that's why I've asked you to be on the program to share with us some of what we all need to know, men and women, uh, about breast cancer. What what causes it? But more importantly, what can we do to prevent it? Or if we are dealing with a breast cancer situation, what can we do to remediate it? Yeah, and we're certainly seeing more and more of it. I know that I see quite a bit of it in practice. It's probably the cancer that I see more of than any other cancer. And we're also seeing it in younger women. So it's an important topic and it's important things to address. Um, And like you said, for people who are trying to prevent, but also people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer, there's several things that we can pay attention to and do. I think that one of the areas, there's actually three areas that I see the most of, the three patterns that that are probably the most prominent. And number one is stress. No, No surprise there. So stress is a big one, metabolic imbalance, and then hormonal uh, imbalance as well. And that kind of ties into environmental toxins. So those are the three areas that I think that we can really do a great service to ourselves and to others to educate about how we can change these patterns and hopefully change the course of seeing more breast cancer. You know, and, and it's also the results of stress. You know, a lot of people don't sleep very well when they're stressed. And we know that sleep deprivation actually can have a role to play in this. And so, Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we are, so many of us are up at night on computers or watching television. You know, that's our relaxation now is watching TV or watching shows on Netflix before bed. And, you know, we're exposed to all that blue light. And that's the time when our pineal gland should start, you know, secreting melatonin and put our cells to sleep to repair damage that's occurred during the day. And we're not getting that feedback. So, you know, our whole body has a rhythm, our cells have rhythm. And if we're off of that rhythm, we're not living, we're not living our physiologically, physiological best. 
as far as health goes. Yeah. We also need that support from one another and, and that can echo from the past too. I've, I, I think I, one of the things I've learned with the whole metabolic approach to cancer is that past traumas and things that are disrupting our current relationships, that can have a role to play in breast cancer. Oh, absolutely. And those past traumas trickle down into our current life. And they've actually been shown to change brain uh, brain patterns and brain waves and how we actually come at current situations. So working, you know, so for so off for so long, we thought of stress response or dealing with psychological issues as a top down thing. But I think that we need to work from the bottom up mm-hmm. and really work to clear those patterns from a from a body level. And so that's where, you know, Additional things, if there is trauma in your life, neurofeedback or EMDR or, or simple things like physical yoga. I mean, we combine mind and body with yoga and getting outside in forest bathing, earthing, um, getting your feet in, in the grass. How many of us do that anymore? We probably did it when we were three and we've lost it. So those are all really important things that I think we've we've just forgotten about being so busy in our current society. And I... I believe that cultivating healthy relationships in our present day life uh, right now is highly important. Our, our friendships, our, the people we work with, our mates, our, all of these people are important to us. And if we can learn to be a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more understanding and cultivate that kind of friendship, that's an anti-cancer uh, action step. Oh, absolutely. And there have actually been studies for women specifically with ovarian cancer and breast cancer, women who have more of a, you know, female group or female tribe, they actually have increased overall survival. There's something about that community that is so important. Um, It feeds our soul and it feeds our body. So, yeah. This next big uh, topic, the, the metabolic factors, that's huge. And unfortunately in our time, it's something like 70 to 80% of Americans have the metabolic syndrome where they are not processing sugar very well and they're not making very many good food choices. But from your perspective as an oncologist, how do you see this fitting in? Well, I think that this actually ties into the circadian rhythm too. Ah. Because, you know, before our bodies are, we're, we're so smart, right? We've got these great brains, but our brains, of our society has actually evolved a little bit quicker than our physiology has. And our bodies are still set to have periods of time where maybe we get a squirrel for lunch and we don't eat for dinner and we don't eat breakfast. You know, we weren't the best hunters, but so, uh, so thank goodness for our brains for farming and all of that. But now we have these, this time where we can grab a snack whenever we want to, we can graze throughout the day. If we want to, we can eat nine or 10 PM at night and it doesn't help us from a metabolic perspective. It drives metabolic disorders and it, it also ties into that circadian rhythm where our bodies are just off of that, that inherent cellular rhythm that we should have, that we should be living with. Um, so. and, and, if, and if you're snacking more and fast fooding more, the convenience oh. stores and whatnot, you get a lot more sugar and you get a lot of the wrong oils. And these wrong oils are disrupting mitochondrial functioning. And that goes right to the heart of cancer. Right. Right. And it's, it promotes inflammation. And we know that cancer and inflammation go hand in hand. In fact, I know you've spoken to this in the past, but cancer is considered a wound that doesn't heal. And a wound that doesn't heal is chronic inflammation. So if what we're putting in our mouth is driving those inflammatory patterns, then voila, 
it sets up the terrain for developing a cancering process. Um, and speaking about mitochondria, this is where intermittent fasting really comes in because if we can intermittent fast, we slow down our mitochondria, stop reactive oxygen species. Well, we slow down the creation of reactive oxygen species, which promotes health of the mitochondria. And that also decreases risk of carcinogenesis. So, and that goes into the meal timing as well. So on the other side of the coin here, in terms of what are the good foods that people need to be looking for, what's your kind of concise way of helping people? Because there's a lot of confusion about what should I eat or what shouldn't I eat? Oh, absolutely. And we're going to actually go into this, I think, in January, February with some podcasts specifically about nutrition and cancer. Okay. But I think that um, what I tell my, my women with breast cancer is a Mediterranean diet, preferably a low carb Mediterranean diet, because that way of eating incorporates nuts and seeds, organic ve vegetables, organic as often as you can possibly get. Um, like I said, the nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, herbs and spices we forget are some of our best cancer fighters. I mean, you add rosemary to a burger or to chicken that you're cooking on the grill and you're going to decrease some of the toxic load from that. Um, so simple, um, but also lots of olive oil and clean, clean fish. Important to look at EWG.org to figure out the best fish, but fish is also a great, great thing for us to be focused on. But that's what I say, low carb Mediterranean. If you can do that, you've got it dialed in. I've often said, just look down at your plate and you should be seeing a whole bunch of colors. Yes. And if you're seeing colors and spices, you're getting phytonutrients and these plant-based molecules from for time immemorial have helped humans and other creatures live in a more healthy way. And so if you're doing that, you're helping your immune system, you're controlling inflammation, uh, you're improving your microbiome in your gut. All of these things go into preventing and treating cancer, breast cancer, yeah, all cancers. Absolutely. And the more variety of vegetables that you have, the more you're diversifying your microbiome. And we know that that's the seat of your immune system. And to speak to looking at the plate too, I think for so long in America, we've kind of thought as thought of our meat as our, our main meal, the main piece of our meal or our plate and really what it needs to be is a sidecar to our plate full of all of the colorful vegetables and nuts and seeds and herbs and spices. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Live On Labs, makers of liposomal vitamins and supplements. LiveOn uses a liposomal encapsulation technology to protect nutrients from destruction in the digestive system. This allows for more efficient delivery of essential vitamins and nutrients. Choose from various supplements that support health and well-being, such as lipospheric vitamin C, magnesium, glutathione, and more. To learn more, visit LiveOn Labs. That's L-I-V-O-N Labs.com. Can we go into that third big area, which is hormonal imbalance. Uh, there's, I think there are many sources for why this is happening. Maybe you can unpack some of that for us. Yeah, so I think that, and I know that many women are aware of this now, and they're actually putting it down on their new patient paperwork, which is great, but use of birth control pills at a young age. I mean, I know that there's even studies now showing that that does increase risk of breast cancer. It was such an easy thing to do. Nobody really thought wrongly of it for years, and now we're seeing it increases risk. 
as happens with many things. Um, but that's that's a big piece. And then the other thing is our endocrine disrupting chemical, estrogen-like endocrine disrupting chemicals, which are found in so many places. And those things that they're found in plastics, they're found in foods, they actually have been shown to promote puberty earlier in so many young women. And so we're getting these exposures to these exogenous hormones, which our bodies were not meant to deal with. And so when you think about those things and their exposure over years, it can lead to breast cancer. Yeah, and the, the range-fed beef, uh, if you're gonna eat meat, try to get clean beef because they oftentimes inject the uh, cattle with estrogen just right. prior to uh, taking them to market, so. Growth hormones, yeah, estrogen's a growth hormone. They want things to grow. And so that's what they do to, you know, fatten up the fatten up the beef prior to um, putting them, you know, on the shelves. So it's really important to make sure that, again, coming back to food, what you're putting in your mouth is, is as clean as you can get. And also what you're putting on your body. Yeah, and yeah. and your weight, makes a difference here too, because yes. uh, that can uh, and expose you to more estrogen-like compounds as well. Right, um, we tend to store a lot of those toxins in our fat cells. And we also know that fat has aromatase activity. So the more weight gain that women tend to hold, the higher their exposure to estrogens, which is why the studies have shown that, you know, some of the best prevention for breast cancer is keeping yourself at a healthy BMI. And after developing breast cancer, making sure that if you're not at a healthy BMI, you're getting there. And, and then going back to the, the colorful foods, uh, broccoli and some of these other uh, foods mm -hmm. actually help block estrogen receptors. Yeah, that, it's such a good point because they, they contain um, a component called diendylmethane, which actually decreases the production of carcinogenic estrogens in the body. Um, and then the sulforaphanes are also so helpful as hormone modulators as well. Um, something as simple as ground flax seeds every day can help to decrease the enterohepatic big word, but basically stop us from reabsorbing those carcinogenic forms of estrogen and getting them out in our GI tract. So, and those foods also uh, back to the microbiome, they basically help us maintain a, a, a better weight. You know, they, they, they yep. found that you could, you could transfer one microbiome to another person and actually cause them to gain weight or lose weight depending upon what microbes are getting into the microbiome. So all of this ties together. Yeah, they've even, I mean, some supplement companies are getting on this and starting to create probiotics that have been studied to actually help to decrease weight or decrease appetite. So, yeah. I would re be remiss if I didn't mention dental health because Dr. Thomas Levy has, tells me all the time, if, I, if, I, if we have a breast cancer patient, be sure and have them check and make sure they don't have any uh, serious infections, possibly infected root canals, gingivitis, those kinds of things, believe it or not, the lymphatic drainage goes right down into the breast tissue and can be a, a major causative factor in, in breast cancer. Yeah, absolutely. And you can actually find teeth charts or tooth charts online that show the relation to organs for certain teeth. And um, it is it is pretty incredible, the correlation when people do have dental issues and then you see that the breasts are that area of the mouth that has been affected, but it's all connected. It is all connected. 
could you, we're this is going a little bit off topic, but you know, a lot of women ask about thermography and the benefits of it uh, versus mammography. Could you speak to that just a little bit, Dr. West? Yeah, so thermography, the bottom line with thermography is that you want to establish a baseline and then continue to use it because it's not going to act as much of a, if you get one, it's not going to be diagnostic, right? I mean, then maybe if they're really seeing a strong pattern, it may be helpful to kind of point you in the direction of cancer. But the key to thermography, what thermography does is it's looking at specific heat patterns within the breast. And we know what we have learned is that cancer has more of a heat pattern because there's more blood vessels going to it. So there you'll see different patterns on thermography with cancer. And so it's good to get a baseline and then continually go every three to six months. And the thermographer will help to recommend that based on the patterns that they're seeing. Um, so you can do that as kind of a nice way of being like, is there anything we need to worry about here? Is there anything that's going to kind of push us into maybe getting some more diagnostic testing. And if there is something that is seen, that's when we think about, well, maybe we do want to consider ultrasound or we want to consider MRI or we want to consider a mammogram. But it gives us, it's a, it's a good start to get some more information about the actual patterns in the breasts. Okay. Last but not least, let's not forget our friend, the sun, and how <laughs> being in the sun yes. can really enliven our vitamin D levels. And so vitamin D is a, a pretty huge factor these, these days in terms of the whole cancer equation, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's such a simple blood test. If we could just all, what a, what a great way to prevent disease is to just, we should all have our vitamin D levels checked. And if we're low, it's an easy thing to supplement with. And unfortunately, even people who live in Hawaii are deficient in vitamin yeah. D. So you know, we can be outside as much as we want. I tell patients all the time, they're like, well, I stopped taking my vitamin D over the summer because I'm outside. And I'm like, well, let's still check your levels and we may still need to be supplementing with it. So um, absolutely, such it, it affects over 200 genes that can be associated with cancering. So wonderful, easy thing to do. Yeah. So any, any other thoughts about, you know, in terms of uh, this whole thing? Because I know there's a big fear factor in women because the, the rates have been rising. And so we've given a number of really good ideas in terms of prevention. And, and, and these same things can help women who have early stage or even late stage cancer to start to turn it around. Is there kind of an attitude about breast cancer that you can think of would help women kind of relax a little bit and take, you know, feel more confident that they can prevent or control this right. problem. I think that first of all, all the things that we spoke about, those are big areas and the top areas that I seem to see or tend to see in clinical practice. And so those are things that we can absolutely address. I also think that, you know, we also need to remember that cancer doesn't happen overnight. We are, in control, we're all, we're in more control of this than we think we are. And I think empowerment is important. And, you know, there's been studies showing that 90% of cancer is due to, you know, more lifestyle factors than it is actually genetics. So that should take the feeling of not being in control into feeling more empowered about our health. Um, and then I think a big thing too is testing. Mm -hmm. Talked about with vitamin D. If if you're worried about getting cancer, if you have a family history of cancer, start making these steps like we spoke about. Get in with a functional medicine or a naturopathic doctor or somebody who is well versed in these things. 
But most importantly, you know, get some lab work done. Look at your terrain, see what's going on. See if there's some patterns that, you know, your body's telling us that maybe you didn't realize were there that you can address. Yeah, here at Reardon Clinic, Dr. Reardon made this one word very famous, co-learning. And we believe that if people can uh, partner with us, we're going to help you feel more empowered in your, your whole process of learning about yourself and feeling good about taking better care of yourself as a way of prevention. Obviously, early detection is very important, but if you can be robustly healthy, you can, you can actually prevent these, these problems. Yeah, yeah. What did he always question people? He always used to say, what is the most important nutrient? He used to, he used to ask people that, right? The one you're lowest in. So if you don't measure, yeah. you'll never know what it is. Unless you, unless you test, assess, address, right? Unless we figure out what the body's telling us. So that's another important piece to prevention. I think, gosh, I think if we were just checking labs, nutrient levels on, on everyone, we'd probably see less, less rates of disease because we would be, you know, doing what we needed to, to change some patterns. So. Very good. Well, Dr. West, thank you so much for, for being on again and doing such a wonderful job of helping all of us understand what we can do to take better care of ourselves and and you take care also. Oh, I will. It's always a pleasure. All right. Thanks again. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.